Hi, I'm Misty. And I'm Liz. We're two women who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. And everything else on our minds. So get cozy, grab a drink, and let's get started. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm Liz. I'm Misty. All right. And this is our first recording. Are you excited? I am. I actually am too. I was having a hard time sleeping last night because I was like pretty pumped about it. I'm excited. And I guess that comes out in me being angry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I knew I detected a bit of anger whenever you first walked in. I was like, "Mm, she must be mad at the kids. I don't know. I probably was. Well, I mean, when are we not mad at the kids? Right, right. Okay, so we are here to discuss books, and before we even get into our first book, um, we realized that we listen to books completely different, and it kind of baffled me. So how I like to read books is I like to, I always read books on my phone. I do not ever read a hard copy of a book. In fact, I have a stack of books over there that you have pretty much given me Mm -hmm. that I have not even opened. Right. But what I probably need to do is like download the book on my phone and I will read it. I don't know what the deal is and I don't like staring at my phone all the time. So it just like makes it worse on my eyes, but I don't ever do that. So I also like to download the audio books. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm like cleaning the house or driving in the car or whatever, I'll listen to the audio book. Then later when I get home, I'll try to like find the spot that I left off and I'll pick up on my phone and just like continue reading. I am the opposite. I like to hold a book. I like to turn the pages. I like to, I like the experience that reading gives me in that I either go, because I love a bookstore. I love finding my book. Oh, me holding too. Holding it in my hands. I like the smell of books. I love <clears throat> libraries. Um, and I, I do too. It's just that I don't actually read the physical book. I mentioned this to you in that, you know, you um, like Audible um, or, you know, like uh, renting books from the library and reading that way and downloading them. I feel like they'll read and read and read. And then all of a sudden they're like chapter three. And I'm just like, well, you just read to me for 30 minutes. It took you that long. And it also depends on who's doing the reading. The reading. Right. There's been some books that I've read that I downloaded that I really, really like. But I also, you like to read or quote unquote read. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's not real. It's not. It doesn't count if you, you listen like to, to it. Fake read. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you clean or when you're around the house, and yes, I can't do that. I like to put on jazz music or do pretend it in, you're in a coffee shop, right? <laughs> or do it in silence. Really, uh, I don't really listen to it that way. And if in my in my car, I listen to podcasts. I know. That's one thing that I've been doing lately is is just listening to podcasts. And honestly, lately I have not read as much as I like to, as much as I normally do, because I've kind of like fallen into this podcast rabbit hole mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, let me just go hang out with my podcast friends for a little bit, blah, 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 blah. Right. But I really want to get, I need to, I need to get back into like reading books or listening to books or I whatever. Miss, I do miss reading. I, I There's a, some books that I've started that I haven't picked back up that are supposed to be really good because I am now over the age of 40. So when I get in bed, I'm asleep within 20 minutes. That's been me my whole life. Right. And then I'll start reading a couple pages and then I'm drifting off and then I have to reread it the next night. I'm perpetually on chapter one. Oh, like you're studying. 
Right. Yeah, I can never absorb right studying so, things. But I know that everyone reads differently. It's really kind of how you can fit a book into your life. Um, you know, growing up, you didn't download books. You didn't read books on your oh, phone. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you prefer a hardback or a oh, paperback? That's a good question. I we're really getting into it now, folks. Oh, I know. I know. You're, <laughs> I mean, you're really digging into my soul. I know. I love a hardback. <gasps> love it. No. Love it because you get it like you know this one, and you and you're able to kind of like stretch the spine out and really kind of. Oh my god, I hate oh, a hardback. Oh, like absolutely cannot stand no, a hardback. Oh, let me tell you, a book with a bent paperback cover is useless to me. Okay, I think this is why I read on my phone so much because when I'm reading, I usually end up laying down. It doesn't matter if I start sitting up or whatever. I usually end up laying down. And if I have the book, if I'm laying on my left side, then the page that I'm reading, I need it to be the page that's like right. up. Right. And then whenever I turn the page and I have to read the back of that page, then I feel like I have to flip over because the book's too heavy. And <laughs> right. hardbacks are heavy. They are heavier. <laughs> but I feel like a hardback is like... That's the real deal book is no, a hardback. The paperbacks That's, are like cozy. They are. Okay. Here's the thing. I If I'm going to do a paperback, it has to be a thick, thick paperback. You want like a Stephen King. Right. Paperback. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Because it's just too heavy. You can't pick it up. No, it's like, but it, <laughs> right. And, but, but like a hardback thick book, that's like, uh that's called a textbook, and right. those are not fun. <laughs> it takes my breath away. But this, those have definitions in the back right, before they the index. Glossary. <laughs> right. This book that we're going to be talking about today only has 160-something pages in it, and it's it's a hardback book. I have the hardback copy. Uh, That's like copy. a cute little hardback. It is. It's a, it fits really well in your in your purse. And Well, surprise, surprise, I read that on my phone, and I listened shocked. to the book. I did both. <laughs> shocked. Um, but another reason I really like the audio, okay, sometimes I like an audio book because I can't always pronounce the words, like, okay. especially with that one, because the book that we're talking about today is called Convenience Store Woman, and Misty actually picked this book out for me. She, um, she actually was looking through her Instagram the other day, and she found out that she read it in 2018. She had posted it, I don't know, what'd you say about it in 2018? That it took me a day to read, because it is a, it's a day read. It's very short. It's very short. It's um, not a it's not like hard to understand. No, it's not. It's it's a very simple book in in it's the way it's presented, but it's actually a lot deeper than a lot of books that I've read, even though it is a short book. I would not consider this to be a beach read. Yeah, I, you were talking about beach reads yesterday and I was like, what is a beach read? And to me, a beach read is like kind of a little and no offense to anyone out there who listen who reads or listens to beach books. No offense to the to our husbands who will be the only people who listen to this right. podcast because right. we make them. Correct. A beach read to me is a book that is a simple read. You don't have to think about it. It doesn't have a lot of hard, uh, difficult words to pronounce or understand. It's very surface. That's what okay. I consider a beach read. It's just a maybe a little bit of romance. Well, see, I think I misunderstood that. Okay, because... you can take it to the beach. Yeah. Okay, right? well, here's the thing. The, la the last time that we went to the beach and I wanted, I was like, oh, you know, everyone reads books on the beach. Like, I'm going to do that. So I decided that I was going to bring a book. Um, I chose It. 
Okay. Um, first of all, that book is 763,000 pages. It is. It's so a, it's a thick one. Um, I couldn't carry my bag with it in there. And then uh, also, um, I'm sure that y'all have read Stephen King before. If you like books, he's very wordy. Very. Very wordy. And sometimes you're wondering, what does this part even have to do with the book? Oh, there's so tons of So that was probably the wrong choice. I I didn't finish it. Full disclaimer. I oh. read about, I think maybe I got to chapter two and I was like, did, like this is hard. hard. Right. Like this, this drink has now kicked in. The kids yeah. are throwing sand at me. That's, I cannot read this book. But see, that's a beach read as you can drink, you know, okay. or white claws or whatever your drink of choice is. They're just, they're a little more simple. That's why I said this was is not really a, what I would consider a beach read to me. It's a simple read. It is. I was about to say, I kind of disagree with you because it is like a simple read, but you might not. Um... I think I consider it not a beach read because it's a little more of an obscure book. It is. It's a very obscure book. So since we're going ahead and talking about it, maybe we should just delve into it. Um, probably my summary is about as long as the book. But did you want to start with uh, talking about like some good reviews? It received a ton of praise. It was a Los Angeles Times bestseller. Can you pronounce the author's name? Yeah. Uh, give me a second. Okay. So this is this is a Japanese book. It is. It was written in Japanese and it was translated. I believe her name would be pronounced Sayaka Murata. Murata? That sounds great to me. Okay. Well, you've been to that part of the world, so you tell me if I'm wrong or right. Well, I don't know. What? <laughs> okay. I, well, I went to China. Okay. And also, um, everyone spoke English to me. Oh, okay. So, and they all wanted to know why I was such a giant. That's all I got was everyone spoke English. Great. Like better English than most people that I know. Probably proper English. Yeah, they did a great job. And um, I was very tall and they did not like my freckles. Freckles are a big no-no. Really? Yeah. Is it because of the sun? Yeah, it's because the sun, they, you know. Asian people take better care of themselves than us. They do. And they were, we went to the beach. I was the only woman there in a bathing suit. Everybody else had on legit full clothes, pants, long sleeves, huge hats, umbrellas, um, so much sunscreen that they looked like they had put on like because they Marilyn doing, Manson makeup. They're doing it right because they know that the sun ages you. That's why. Oh my gosh. And their skin was gorgeous. Gorgeous skin. And you can be 85 years old over there and still look like you're in your 30s. Yeah, they're like, why Why are you so tall? You have so many wrinkles. It's probably because... Look at those the freckles. Aren't you afraid of those freckles? Like, no. And I'm like, I've been in the tanning bed. Doesn't my skin look and nice I'm and brown? Sure they mm-hmm. dropped dead. <laughs> they, they were appalled. They were like, America's what's wrong with this world. <laughs> now, there is... I did find a really good review on The New Yorker about the book. It really did a really good job of... Of reviewing it and kind of breaking it down. Like I said, it did it did receive a lot of praise. Um, it was a best summer book pick by Elmer. So they're going against what you said. Well, they summer didn't... book pick sounds just like uh, beach read to no. me. Summer book, beach read. A summer book is one that you can read when you're sweating. Summer book. Well, you read it. It's summer. But you oh, you're by right. The beach. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> but I listened to it whenever I laid out outside. That's true. I was, yeah, I was sweaty. So I guess it is a sweaty book. Uh, on bookmarks.com, someone said it was a sly take on modern work cultures and social conformi- conformism. 
Mitch <laughs> Marata provides deceptively sharp commentary on the narrow social slots people, particularly women, are expected to occupy. Marata skillfully navigates the line between the book's wry and weighty concerns. It's a unique and unexpectedly revealing English language duet. Well, whenever I looked the book up on Amazon, it's like it was one of the editor's best picks. Right. There was like nothing but praise. Everyone was talking about how hilarious this book was. And by the time I looked it up on Amazon, I was almost done with it. And I was like, hilarious. Like, did did I get the right book? <laughs> like, what? There was there were two parts where I laughed out loud. And I don't think that it was meant to be funny. It was just parts that were just so strange that I mm-hmm. laughed out loud. So you think it was more because you were uncomfortable? Uh, no, we'll get to it. Whenever I, whenever I get into my summary, I'll, I'll cue you in to the parts that I thought were funny and they're, they're not really that funny. Like they're not meant to be funny, right. but I laughed out loud. It's so. not, it's not a, it's not a comedic book. It's no, not, it's not like, uh, Jenny Lawson's let's pretend this never happened. Right. Like it's that when I was crying laughing. Um, okay. So convenience store woman immediately, like the cover has like, oh, what is that? Like a rice ball or something? I thought it was rice. like a sushi, but she talks about rice balls and I don't know anything about Asian food outside of like sushi and like takeout and stuff. So right. I'm not, not knowledgeable at all. Um, so I was like, oh, this is going to be like Kim's convenience. Right. This is going to be great. I love that show. Um, so throw that out the window because mm-hmm. it is absolutely nothing like Kim's convenience. Have you watched that show? I have. It's very good. It Did is- you watch the last season that just came out on I Netflix? Didn't. I've only watched the first season. <gasps> oh, my God. No, it is it is very good. It, it is. It's very, very good. Well, there's five seasons, so you've got four to Wow. Watch. Four well, to that's the story of my life. I'm <clears> so <throat> behind on so many stories on TV. I know. Me too. Um, if I could watch TV while I cleaned, like I listened to <laughs> podcasts could- and books while right. I cleaned, then I could I could keep up, but I can't. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go into my summary. And it is, like I said, it's just as long as the book. So the book opens with this lady working at a convenience store. And we find out that her name is, please forgive me if you are Japanese or speak Japanese, it's Kiko Furukura. Right. But during the book, they do refer to her as just by her last name. Yes, they refer to her by her last name a a lot. It actually, when I went back to do my summary, I honestly kind of had, it took me a second to find her name. And it wasn't until further in the book when she had a conversation with her sister that I I was like, oh, that's her name. Um, And they were, I don't know, the way that it's spelled and the way that they said it does not look the same to me. I mean, it is is not the same to me. So I'm going to say Furukura, but I'm not sure. Um, let, let's just go with that from now on. Okay. Um, so it opens up and she's at the convenience store and she's just like, she's like this Olympic store worker, like pretty much everything that happens in the store. Like she can sense like what the customer is going to want before they even know that they want it. She knows what's going on. She, um, she says that someone like by the drink machines is jiggling change in their pocket. So she knows they're about to come check out. So she runs to the cash register so that she's there waiting for them. And they immediately come up to the cash register. It's almost like she's got this weird, like sixth sense. She knows going that when on. they go to the, to the cooler to grab a drink that you buy that last so that she can be, she knows the yes. sounds like she is, she is the convenience store. Yes, she's exactly. She is the convenience store. So, but the thing is, she says that she's been working there for a long time, but then she mentions that her her manager walks in. So you're like, well, that sounds weird. Like, she's been working there for a really, really, really long time. 
and she's just a worker. But then she mentions that she likes the convenience store because she says, quote, I have become a functioning part of the world, rotating in the time of day called morning. So you're like, why would you even say that? Like, were you not functioning before? And that, like, that quote is kind of how the book goes. I am going to say that I think some of the book was lost in translation. You think? But yes, because like who says in the time of the day called morning you know like you would just say like I've become a functioning part of the world or you know I don't know right it's just a a lot of the book to me was like that um then she says the time before I was reborn as a convenience store worker is someone unclear in my memory so now you know she doesn't she hardly even remembers the time before the convenience store so this job is just completely her life she talks about how she was different whenever she was a child and there was like three key incidents that really kind of shaped her Mm -hmm. life this first one is the one that i laughed at and she said that a bird died at the playground and she everyone's so sad all the kids are like crying and i'm like first of all it's a bird like we had a dead bird in our yard last like last week and we were all like whoa look at this dead bird but these kids are like crying so obviously they're better humans than my family is (laughs) but she runs up and she was like oh mom we should cook this bird and eat it because daddy loves yakitori and her mom is like so appalled and embarrassed and she looks around she's like no we will have a ceremony for this bird we're gonna bury it not understand why you would be so upset about something that's dead that and like i mean you eat birds you eat chickens and things so it's a her she did she could not understand it what i thought was funny about it um wasn't really that it was that um i have a really really big dog and there i mean very often I will tell my family, hmm, if anything ever happens, we could throw we could throw Chance's leg on the barbecue pit and eat on that for days. Wouldn't oh wonder God. what that tastes like. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> right. And, um, and that's I'm why. I'm talking in the event of like zombie apocalypse. You know, it's us or, it's it's us us or, or him. Oh, right. He's got two really big legs back well, there. Well, and this is probably why your kids didn't uh, cry when they saw a dead bird. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, so I've completely messed my kids up. Well, whatever. Moral um, of the story. But what was really funny in that is that she said that for the funeral, all the kids went around murdering flowers to put on the bird's right. grave. That was so strange to me because this is when you start to realize this person is different Very. than us because we, you know, you see the bird and it's dead and you would think of murdering a bird, an animal, something that moves and breathes rather than a plant. And she's giving the plant so much more like humanism, I guess, than the, than the Well, what was interesting to me, what I really liked about the book was that her social cues are so far away from what we would consider normal social cues. She's she does not pick up on things that you and I would pick up on. She's very different that way. She is. The other two incidents that shaped her, that kind of really kept her quiet. So she, another thing that happened was two boys at school were fighting and everyone was yelling at them to stop. So this girl goes and grabs a freaking shovel and slams it down on this kid's head And he, and it says in the book something like, um, 
He's like rolling over, clutching his skull in pain. Right. Not his head. N- not his head, his skull, because he had just been hit in the head with a shovel. Another time, uh, there was like a teacher screaming in the office and everyone was asking her to calm down, calm down. So she went over and just like pulled the lady's skirt down because she had seen on TV that if you just like pull clothes off of a woman, that she would be quiet. Right. So that's what she did. And everyone's so appalled at these incidents. And she's just like, I don't understand. Like, I got him to quit. I got the boys to quit fighting. I got the woman to stop screaming. What's the problem? Isn't she's, that what you all wanted? I'm trying to help. She's very Amelia Bedelia with her social cues. <laughs> she's she very literal. She you is. know, like, in just the house. Right. Dress the turkey. Right. So um, from then on, she decided that the best thing to do for her family is just to be quiet and keep to herself because she didn't want to upset her family. They ended up bringing her to like therapy and they all were like, Oh, you know, she's going to go around a bit, whatever. Um, but her family was very, very loving and they, they wanted what was best for her. And they, it wasn't like she was from an abusive home or anything. No. She just, um, she was just different. So at this point, this is when I th- start thinking, this is not Kim's convenience, but maybe this is like Sheldon Cooper from big bang theory. Yes, he his social uh, cues and skills are very left field. They're very, very different. Right. So in the way that he's very um, logical, um, does not understand emotions, think this is this is how he is. So this character, I need you to picture Japanese woman Sheldon. Right. And I think, but except for she's not like a physicist. She doesn't seem to be like ultra smart or anything. She's no. just, she kind of has that same, like, I don't understand your emotions. Correct. Kind of thing and, going on. and what's <clears throat> also interesting too about this whole setup of the story is that they, I don't, I'm not sure exactly when this t- takes place. I assume some t- something in the most recent years in a village and what and what I found out, too, when I researched this a little bit was that in Japan, you don't talk about your day-to-day job, really. That that was something that a lot of people don't do. Also, convenience stores are a way of life there. I think most people go to convenience stores once or twice a day. Convenience stores are not like here where you go to the racetrack to pick up a bang you go and you pick up your necessities, everything you need. So it's more than just like snacks. Right. <clears throat> right. So, but she also mentions at this time, like this is pretty much the only time that she goes back into like her childhood. She says that her little sister Miho became her outlet to the world. And she said that Miho like always adored her and loved her. So, you know, I guess she had a, like as good of a relationship um, as she could with her sister, given that she was completely like not a normal kid like she didn't want to play she didn't want to hang out she didn't want to talk she you know she didn't it said that she pretty much spent like most of her time alone and she went to university Mm -hmm. away from her house I think she said that her parents gave her like a small allowance or whatever but so her life changed when she was walking around and she saw a now hiring sign on the smile mart outside of Hiramachi station which I think I don't know if it quite comes out and says it but i think that this is supposed to take place in a, like a little city outside of tokyo right or maybe like a district of tokyo they say village correct don't they say but there's, there's like they're in the middle of like office buildings so right. i think that's another thing that's kind of like lost in translation is like i wouldn't refer to like a village to me is like 
a little. I don't know. Like we have all of our huts around and there's like six of us. You know what I mean? Right. Like so, that's what I think of whenever right. I think of a village. A caveman. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So she applies to this convenience store. She's hired on the spot and they have a two week training course. Did you not find that so weird that you, it's a convenience store. Right. Two weeks. But two I'll- but also, I, I mean, I haven't received that much training when in a law. Do doctors receive that much training I, in America? I don't think they do. I'm not really uh, sure. But I think that has a. But I think that says a lot about Japanese culture and convenience stores. Yes, um, I do think that the the cultural thing for me was another thing that was hard for me with this book because I wasn't quite sure if what I was reading was was strange because I'm American right or it was strange because it was strange was it meant to be strange you know like there were some parts where I was like I don't really there was a couple of I remember uh reading when they said they slept in the closet on her fold-out uh futon right when I read they were asleep in the closet I'm picturing someone asleep on the floor in the closet yeah, like they've opened the bifold doors. Right, and they're asleep. Their heads the shoes. in the closet and their feet are out of the closet and they're underneath the shirts. Right. I would sleep underneath the dress shirts to be fancy. Right. Or the dresses so you can like cover up your upper oh, half. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You can, um, like if you need a sleep mask, you right. can just like pull that old maxi skirt. Yes, or, right. pull that over there. That'd be nice. Right. So I didn't know if they meant like. Over there, you put your bed in the closet. Uh, what is a closet? Is it where you hang your clothes? Obviously not, because you put your bed there. So is it like a little bed space? Is it a room inside of your room? Right. Where do you put your clothes? I know that Japanese apartments are notoriously small. And I know that they're set up for, there's a, a place for everything. And everything in its place. Right. And there's a reason. That was just a part of me. Like American Misty reading, saying, "What? Why what is, is the bed in the closet?" Right. So she goes to she goes to training. Um, one of her favorite parts about training was was whenever they all got uniforms because she said that this like modge podge bunch of people that were students and you know housewives like part time housewives or kind of like um I don't want to say street kids but I want to say like you know high schoolers right you know I don't know why I can think of high schoolers delinquents <laughs> yes um jailbirds whatever she said one of their one of her favorite parts was whenever they all got uniforms because then now they all looked the same and I was like it was just the Stepford wives like what are we all she, she was delighted she wanted she wanted everything to be the same it, like it soothed her soul that they all looked the same which I think is kind of like it, it's part of her personality it right. kind of like helps you understand better and she said that um when everybody came out in their uniforms she said it looked like they had changed their costumes to become different creatures so already this job and she hasn't even started yet is just her world she absolutely loves it yes it is like it is seeping into her blood yes you're not allowed to wear accessories necklaces earrings you have to keep your hair a certain way um you have to keep you know your your nails have to be very short this would absolutely 1000 percent never fly in america like are you kidding me you're gonna tell me how to wear my hair my tattoos can't show right at my job like so this was another thing that I think just must be a, the cultural difference is that this is just how it is or 
was when was this book written do you know in 2016 so it's a fairly recent book it's not like this book is from like the 1970s or anything no no Um, I couldn't figure out if she liked everyone to be the same because she felt like she fit in if everyone was on the same wavelength as her everyone looked the same so she didn't have to there was no feelings of animosity towards anyone else that you know that I think it was because I got the feeling it was because she had always been different right and she fit in now there was nothing that was they all looked the same so nothing you couldn't just like look at and be like that one's different so she finally felt like she could fit in then they said that they do like a call and repeat form of practicing what to say in various situations and she said that this was the first time anyone had ever taught me how to accomplish a normal facial expression and manner of speech so it was kind of like the convenience store was giving her like a guidebook to life almost so right. she, she doesn't know how to act in like the normal life but but here's someone who's showing her they even said like oh you're smiling too much you're being too loud you're doing this you're doing this and she it kept being like oh kiko miss furukara you're doing such a great job she kept getting praise after praise after praise for doing such a great job and this this had never happened to her before well i know that she did mention a couple of times in in the book about the manual the you know what we would consider the employee handbook yes and that was kind of her she had never really known how to, I guess, maybe even to handle herself. Whereas this handbook told her what to do function. in every situation. Right. Then I thought, is this where Chick Fil A sends their employees to train? <laughs> you you might be onto something. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, she did say, whenever whenever they were doing the um, call and repeat stuff and uh, training and stuff, she says, uh, quote, at that moment for the first time ever, I felt I'd become a part in the machine of society. I'd been reborn, I thought. That day, I actually became a normal cog in society. So she uses the word reborn, which automatically mm-hmm. makes me think of like baptism. So like this is so much more than just like a work experience. I mean, people change jobs at the time and we don't think anything about it. But to her, this is just like a, a rebirth of who she is. She even refers to um, herself later saying that she's 36 years old, but the convenience store worker me is only 18. So she's measuring her life in convenience store years at this point. Right. Which I thought was very, very sad. Not sad, yes. like pathetic. Sad that she had, you know, lived for 36 years, but that didn't matter. Those years didn't matter. What mattered was this the first day at this job. Yes. And you're not the only person to think that because whenever she goes um, to her sister's house and has lunch, I think she goes and has lunch a couple times. She goes to like a barbecue. Um, all the people there pretty much, they're all like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Right. Why do you still work at a convenience store? You're 36 years old. Don't you think that you need to get married? You need to have kids. You need a better job. Why don't you want better for yourself than this? And she doesn't have any answers because she's compl- she's so happy there. And she understands maybe I should get another job. Maybe I should be in a relationship because everyone keeps telling me that I should. Not, And she gets it because everyone keeps telling her, not because she has any desire to do it. Right. And she wants to make everyone happy. So she she's kind of like torn. Um, she even says like that she pulls parts of all the people that she works with and all the people that she's surrounded by 
to kind of form like herself outside of the store. So there's a lady that, that works at the store and I guess they come in their regular clothes and they change into their uniforms there. Right. But she, she'll go out of her way to notice what brand clothes she has, figure out where she bought them, what store she bought them from. She'll go to the store and she'll buy clothes that are similar, but not the same brand because she doesn't want to get caught like completely stealing this other lady's favorites and mm-hmm. clothes and style and everything. So she's become so well adapted to kind of hiding who she is. Right. She's because she doesn't know how to be a real, real person. She says it a few times. She doesn't know how to be a real human. She doesn't understand like what's what everyone's big deal is. Like she doesn't, she just doesn't really get worked up no. at all. She's just very monotone. She's like a, like a robot almost. She is. She is Smile Mart. So she does, she has her little hacks, like her, her human hacks almost. Like right. this is how you, this is how you be a human. She's faking it. She doesn't know what else to do. There's even one por- one part where the lady says, "Hey, I really like I really like your outfit. Where'd you get that sweater?" And she thinks to herself, "Oh, good, I pulled off being a human." Right. And you're like, "What? That's so strange." There was a part. Uh, there was probably about in the middle of this book. Um, did you ever read Eleanor Oliphant? Is completely fine. No, but it has been on my list for a really long time. Okay, that one's also um, a pretty. That book goes a lot deeper. There's a lot more like trauma and you understand kind of what's going on. But Eleanor is a lot like um, Kiko in in that she um, she doesn't quite understand. It's, it's a workplace book. It's set right. in the workplace, in the office. And it kind of talks about her um, relationship with like one person and something happens. I think like an old man gets hit by a bus or something anyway her and this this other man that she works with the it guy they end up helping this old man and like kind of helping him to his house and it kind of like brings them together and the man thinks that she is just the weirdest person and she is she's very weird she's very like kiko she doesn't really understand like she doesn't understand why people on the bus get mad at her when she eats tuna fish on the bus right you know like she's like what i need sustenance like what's wrong with you i have to eat too right she but she understands that she gets bad bad looks so she quits doing it because she's like oh well maybe I shouldn't do that so it's it's very much like a Japanese Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine um another strange character so at one point in the book they get a new worker his name is Shihara and I think that he's mid-30s they say he looks a little shabby this dude here Ugh. who okay if you could picture him as someone as an American actor or somebody well-known, who would it be? Oh, my God. I'm so bad at this. Do you know who I was thinking Wait. Of? Don't tell me. Let me okay. think about it okay. for, like, one second. Um, just the most annoying person that I can think of. I don't know. Who do I hate? Oh, I don't. Um, okay. So who were you thinking? I can't think of anyone. I was thinking of somebody, like, really shabby and grubby and gross. I was thinking, like... Daryl from Walking Dead. Oh, but see, I love Daryl. I like. Oh, look. I oh, I bought you the Daryl ornament terrible. for Christmas a right. few years ago. No, I look. Oh, you just mean his appearance? His appearance, just his. Um, like if you just saw him, right? Yeah, because I think they even said that he like smells he bad smells at one point. Bad. In the book. He had to take a shower. Like, his and not only is his stunk. appearance terrible. The absolute worst attitude. Like, he's very um, misogynistic. Oh, like, he is a dirtbag. Oh, he's, he's a terrible. Dirt and I think that he is terrible for her. And I, and he 100% preys on her. 
Yes. He even says, okay, so he doesn't care about the job, which Kiko does not understand because right. her life is the job. Like she doesn't, he's very like condescending in, I don't know. Everyone thinks that he is just the weirdest. Everyone that works there thinks that he's so strange. Everyone talks about him. They're all like fussing and getting upset about it. And he even, she hears, she hears, sure, sure, Okay. Shiraha. Do, am I not saying this right all of a sudden? The, Shahira? I am hearing Shakira. <laughs> and I don't think that's Wait, right. Wait, see, I need the audiobook. It's Shiraha. Someone bring me the audio. Shiraha. Maybe? Shiraha. Okay. <laughs> Again, not Japanese. Very hard word for me to say. He says that he took this job so that he could find a wife, so that he could go. What do you think? I think you call it like wife hunting. At the Smile Mart. Yes. Um, but he's so condescending. He thinks the manager's stupid. This job is dumb. Everyone's stuck in the Stone Age. He says stuck in the Stone Age about a million, a million times. times. He, like, preaches to her. In fact, I have a, a part here that's highlighted where you're like a Stone Age woman past childbearing age. So he does bring up Stone Age quite a lot, which when I thought about made sense because he is like a caveman in that he, he wants a wife. He wants to bear children. Does he? Uh, yes. He wants to be a man, like a man, man. I think he's just tired of people telling him. Um, it sounds, it sound, actually kind of sounds a lot like he is like Kiko in that everyone is telling him, you need to get a wife. You need to get a job. Oh, yeah. You need to do better. And he just doesn't really have any desire to do so, just like Kiko. The only difference is that Kiko, she doesn't really get passionate about anything. She's not excited about anything, but she's very polite you know, like, she's not offensive. There's no, not any no. time where she's offensive. He is just, he's, he is so offensive. He's the worst. Like, he is. Ugh. Just someone that you don't ever want to be around. He's terrible. He is actually eventually fired for almost being, like, being almost stalkerish right? to some women in the store. Like, he would kind of hang around and wait for certain women to come because he kind of knew their schedules and he knew, oh, this woman comes around this time. Even though I'm off the clock, I'm going to hang out in the break room until they come and I think he like grabs a woman by the wrist and so they they fired him and they also mentioned that he was eating food out of the garbage can in the back and the uh, manager did not uh, like that well I mean I can't say I don't I don't blame the manager um I guess he was just hungry you know how, how it is I mean it, at least he wasn't eating the dog's leg on the barbecue bed that's true so then Kiko goes back to another barbecue at her sister's house, and everyone wants to it, – it's like this is something that does not happen in America, that these people are just being so, like, demeaning to her, like, at a barbecue setting. It's not like we're having an intervention, but it's almost like every single social interaction between them is like an intervention because they're, they're always telling her that she needs to get a better job. She's stuck in a dead-end job. She needs to get a husband. She needs to have kids. And it's like they go on and on and on, and she's clearly uncomfortable about it. She never knows what to say. She comes up with an excuse, and they, like, bat her excuse down. And these aren't, like, close friends, you know, like these aren't people that are that we would consider are allowed to say this type of thing. You know, like as far as like they're concerned, like she's not she's not their problem. Like nobody's right. giving her money. She's taking care of herself. Like, yes, she's working at a convenience store, but nobody's paying her way. Well, I think her family sees it as if 
she does not have children, if she does not get married, if she does not find a better job, there's something wrong with her. So they're trying to reassure themselves that there's nothing wrong with her. I guess so. That she doesn't need to be cured. They keep saying, they say that word a lot in the book too, that she needs to be cured. All the friends decide that they're going to put her on a dating site and give her this golden opportunity to so kika is going to be on plenty of fish yeah (laughs) yes or what about that farmer's website what is it farmer farmers meet farmers.com what about convenience store workers meet convenience store workers.com gas station workers love.com we need okay as soon as this is over we're gonna go set up um where's go daddy we'll go register our thing so it's kind of at this point that she realizes the normal world has no room for exceptions and always quietly eliminates foreign objects anyone who is lacking is disposed of that's why i need to be cured it's kind of like it's like that Claritin commercial where, like, the little hazy thing has been peeled off the screen and you can suddenly see everything on the screen. Right. Like, clearly. So she finally understood, understood, like, why her family wanted her to be cured. But this is a lot for her, and she says that all she wants to do is go to the convenience store. So she actually leaves, goes out of her way to go by the convenience store just because she wants to hear the convenience store sounds. Whenever she gets there, she actually sees Shihara, Shirahas. <laughs> The guy. Wow, you are outside. butchering that poor man. I can't help it. <laughs> Somebody should have butchered him. <laughs> All right. So he's standing outside the door, outside the store, and I'm like, ooh, this is where the rape's going to happen. That's where I thought this was going because he's like hiding behind the buildings. It's nighttime. He's like spying on the store. Like he's either going to like he'd been coming on to all those women, and like right. that's why okay. he got fired. So his mo is a little sexual. Predator-ish. They actually called him a sexual predator at one point. So I'm right. like, oh, he's definitely he's gonna rape Kiko. Like she's never gonna know what's happened. She had said she's like scared of sex. She never wanted to have sex. She right. found it repulsive. She didn't want to. And do that's it. another thing too that I wanted to touch on too was that she's asexual. Yes. What I it took me a little bit into the book to realize that I thought maybe she was a little more sheltered or inexperienced, but what was really going on was that she was actually asexual. No desire. No whatsoever. desire and and she knew that she should have a desire. Right. So she tried to like pretend but she just she just did not. No. Um which is why she goes up to Shiraha, she sees him and she's like, you need to leave. The manager's going to call the cops. You need to go home. But he looks, like, clearly upset. So instead, um, he did not rape her. Right. Um, so then I was like, all right, well, that's not what I was expecting. Um, instead, she actually takes him to a little cafe and buys him some coffee or some tea. No, some tea. And this is the point where I'm like, so. Kitty, warm kitty. Because I'm like, oh, this is what Sheldon does. Sheldon knows when someone's upset, you have to make them a hot beverage. Okay. So she's like, she's trying to take care of him. She understands that he's upset, and this is what you do when someone's upset. So she goes and sits with him, and she said for hours, he just went on and on and on about how society wants you to do this, and society just doesn't understand him, and he's got great plans to start up some like internet business, but no one would give him a chance, and that's why he just needs to find a woman with money that he can that can take care of him and and she's like well if if the strongest hottest men always get the women 
or the ones with like money, then why don't you start your internet business first to make your money and then the you won't be able to keep the women off of you. Right. Like very logical, but he's he's like not having it. Because he's, he has to he doesn't want to work. He does not want to work. So he's very different from Kiko. At first you think that they're very similar similar, but he ends up he's just a mooch. He's just oh, one yeah. of those people that you meet in college that just, you know, and can I just sleep on your couch for the night? Like, gonna, you know, until I, until I become like a rock Oh, you're going to eat your leftovers? Right. Can I, can I have that half of your sandwich? So she's like, hey, why don't you come stay at my house? We'll pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend and we'll get everyone off of our backs about that. Like if it's marriage that you're looking for, marriage is just a piece of paper. So we can do that. And he's like, oh, you're so old. Your womb is... <laughs> Like it's so funny. He keeps saying like your womb is old, and I'm like, right, you do not talk like that. Thirty six. I mean, right. I mean, I guess now that would be con- considered like a geriatric pregnancy, but it's not. That's in medical terms. Thirty six years old. I mean, he act he acted like she was sixty eight. Right, and but everyone does. So that must come back to the cultural thing. Anyway, he finally ends up going back to her house with her, but he kind of makes it seem like, you know, like she was coercing him or something. At one point, she even says to him, look, if you don't want to be here, I'm not forcing you. I just thought you didn't have anywhere else to go. And he'd be like, well, you know, now that you mention it, like he wanted He just wants to complain. He's one of those people that just always wants to complain. He wants a free ride, but he's going to complain every step of the way. Yes. So, but he gets there and she's like, you need a shower because you don't smell good. And so while she's in the shower, she's like, huh, let me call my sister and see what she's going to say. So she tells her, oh, I've got a, I've got a man, I've got a man in my house. And which to me sounds like an intruder. Right. But um, her sister was like, extreme, so happy. I, I honestly think that if, even if it was an intruder, her sister would be like, oh, good for you. <laughs> yes. Right. Her sister was like way too excited about it. Um, she even asked like when they're getting married. And I just thought that was just so crazy. But Kiko's like, she hangs up and she's like kind of excited. She finds it really weird that her sister thinks it's exciting. But she's like, okay, well, if my sister finds it exciting, I guess it's good. So she kind of like goes for it. She says that he can stay at the house as long as, long as he wants to. And what he wants is for her to hide him. She agrees and she says that's fine. And she says that she'll provide feed for him. She said it's the <laughs> right. first time I've – this is the other part where I laughed out loud because I was like, feed. What is he, like a horse? Yes. So she said it's the first time I've kept an animal at my home. So it kind of feels like having a pet. <laughs> and then, like, so she's like, let me go get the feed. So she goes and, like, gets, I don't know, some – vegetables or something and he says that it's so bad he's like oh this is like dog food and in her, and she thinks to herself yeah that's why i said it right which i thought was so funny because she knows her food is terrible but she's just like i just eat so i can have energy to work at the convenience store right she her nutrition she eats food from the convenience store from the convenience store for the convenience store yes her only you know she wants to keep her energy up and she everything is and i wanted to kind of you know, when they talk about the convenience store, the author actually worked at a convenience store. Oh, really? For about 20 years. Gah! Right. So I wonder if she went through this. So she, this was kind of her experience with the convenience store, which makes sense because when I was reading the parts about the convenience store, about how she was describing the lights and the sounds, really put me there as far as I was actually at the convenience store because... The only way that you can describe things the way that she did is if you have experienced that. Yeah. She did a really good job of 
making it feel like you were actually there too. Well, and what's strange is you said she worked at a convenience store for 20 years. Working at and owning a convenience store are different things. So you said she worked at a convenience store for 20 years. My immediate thought was, and then she became a writer? Like, she's not just a complete idiot? No. So, oh, so but, but that's what I thought because she worked at the convenience store. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know. It's, Actually, in the, the jacket part of the book Which says, I don't have the jacket. Oh, I do. Because I, I have uh, this uh, hard copy right here in my yes. lap. <laughs> She's, it says she continues to work part-time in a convenience store, which inspired this novel. So she just loves it. So, right. Okay. So we're going to get back to that. So in this whole situation, I think that Shahara mentions that he used to, to get money from his parents or his brother whenever he needed money before. So basically, he was like mooching off of his brother and his his parents before. But once the brother got married, then the brother and his wife like moved into his parents' home. I think they even converted the home into like kind of like a duplex. Right. So they each – it was the one home, but it had like separate sides or something. So they didn't have any room for uh, Shahara anymore. And then they didn't have any extra money to give him because now they had grandkids and they were spending their money on him – on the grandkids. And like why would you need to give your 36-year-old son money? Like at 36 years old, you need to be taking care of yourself. Like you're able-bodied. Right. So he blamed the sister-in-law. Absolutely. Had she not come in, then things would have stayed the same. Exactly. It was her fault that right. his life was so bad. So at one point, he, Miko, who's Kiko's sister, comes over to meet Shahara, and and he's not like immediately there. He's hiding in the bathroom because he loves to sleep in the tub like some crazy weirdo. Right, which was very... Again, he's like, bring me my food to the tub. Like, I'll eat like, in the tub. Okay. and I like that, my tub, too, but I'm not hanging oh, out in it. Me, too. But give me about 15 minutes. I'm, I'm not eating in it. I might right. eat like a thin mint. She couldn't even take a shower in her own shower because. Right. And I and I don't think that's cultural. It can't be. No. I don't think hanging out in tubs is like something that Jack. I read that. I read that about him sleeping in the tub and I. Okay. Is this something like I sleep in the closet? Right. Like. No. They've Surely they've got a couch. They have a futon. Is that a. That's different, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. So. Miko was actually really upset whenever whenever she comes over because Kiko tells her that what's really happening is they're kind of being each other's like scapegoats for mm-hmm. like everyone to just kind of lay off of them. Right. And Kiko gets really, really upset and she's like, you're never going to be cured, blah, 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 blah. So Shihara comes out and he's like, oh, actually, I didn't want to come out here because we had, your sister and I had just gotten in a big fight because she found out that I cheated on her. And the sister actually was, like, seemed relieved by that. She was like, oh, okay, this is a normal relationship, like, albeit not a healthy one. But she was like, okay, my sister's in a good relationship. And then she, like, left it at that, like, happy. I would absolutely 1,000% never want my sister to be in a relationship where somebody is, is cheating on her. Right. Just So I thought that was so strange that she was just like, oh, okay, well, it's a good relationship. Just for cultural norms. Yeah, just just so that it looks good. For it looks appearances. good. Yes. Yes, just keeping up appearances. Then the sister-in-law, Shahara's sister-in-law, right. makes an Which appearance. Right, what was it, bad wife on uh, the phone when she called? Yeah, he had her in her phone as wife from hell. Yes, wife from so hell. So I was like, aha! Right. Okay, so whenever she calls... And it comes up on the phone as wife from hell. Okay. I thought he, this dude is married. Me too. 
No, no. That was, I think that was no. just part of the translation, like lost in translation thing. So, no, not married. Uh, sister-in-law comes over. She finds out that he had not, pay, not paid his rent and it was going to look bad on the family. So she mm. paid his rent, mm-hmm. made him sign, sign an IOU. She tells uh, Kiko that if she knew it was good for her, she'd get away from this loser man, whatever. And then she kind of also calls Kiko a loser because she finds out Kiko works at a convenience store for so long. Blah, blah, blah. This It's at this point where it's like, this book is really short, but I feel like it could have been a third of the size because it is very repetitive, like very repetitive. But I think it just took Kiko that many times for somebody to tell her things before she got it. Probably so. Another point, though, the sister-in-law, like whenever the wife from hell calls, right. she actually answers the phone. And at one point, the sister-in-law calls to like fuss at Jahar for not paying her, her back. And she's like, hey, can I ask you a question? And the sister-in-law is like, I guess. What's up? And um, she says, do you think that me and Shahara should have kids? And the sister's lo- sister-in-law is like, are you kidding me? Like, y'all <laughs> right. are two losers. He doesn't That's have a so job. Sad. You're in a dead-end job. Right. Like, y'all are both, like, mid-30s. You can barely take care of yourselves. Why would you bring a kid into this? No, your bad genes need to die with you. And Kiko's like, I understand. And hangs up. And Kiko's like, whew. Thank God. Glad that's off the Weight table. Is like, off my yeah, you would think that she would be upset for someone speaking to her like that. And she was like, no, appreciative. she wanted that. She was appreciative that somebody would actually speak so plainly to her and tell her, you know what, you don't need to have kids. Reassuring the, her. Right. Okay. I don't need to do this. People yeah, maybe are you are me. doing the right thing. Right. People are telling me what I need to do, but I don't feel like that's what I need to be doing. Right. So we are finally nearing the end of the book. You probably could have just read the whole book at this point because we've been talking for about an hour and it'd probably take you about 45 minutes to read the book. She goes to work and everyone finds out that Shahara is living with her. And even though all these people had just been talking about Shahara, about how much he sucks, like what a predator he was, they find out that she's with him and they're all so excited. They invite them to go out for drinks with them. She finds out that all the other store workers have been hanging out outside of work, have never invited her, even though she's been there for so long. She knows everyone. She takes care of, like, such good care of the store. Right. That, like, kind of hurts her feelings a little bit that she's never been invited. But at this point, I guess she's used to it. And... It's, she's a little bit taken aback that everyone hated him so much, but now they're just so excited that she's found herself a man. So it's at that point, like, she gets home. She goes to take a shower. She's had, like, a long day, and she says that the sounds of the store leave her. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, she says she doesn't quite remember what what silence was. I think but she's pissed. Throughout the whole book, Yes, she's pissed. Everyone wants to gossip about her and Shahara, and there's like, it gets, there's like a rush in the store, and nobody takes care of their job. Nobody takes it seriously. So she comes home, and she's just like really, really upset. So she, she loses the sounds of the store. The next day, she immediately goes in and quits her job. Right. And that's when you know this B means business. Right. She's mad. I think that she got upset because. She realizes people don't have her best interest in heart. They don't. They just want her to, to be, be like them. Right. To to be married and to be with somebody, even if he's dangerous. Right. So she falls into a deep depression. She doesn't know she doesn't know what day it is. She sleeps. She doesn't have any appetite. She just wakes up walks to the kitchen, gets a drink of water, and goes back into the bed for days. Like, she she has – she's very – obviously, very, very depressed. She's very depressed. 
Right. So at some point, Shahara starts job hunting for Kiko because Shahara realizes that if she's not working, that he can't mooch off of her anymore. So he sets up a job interview for her. He like makes her get ready. They go to the they go to the job interview. They're there about an hour early and he says he has to pee. So he goes into a convenience store to go pee. And she's like, yeah, I guess I'll go to the bathroom also. So she goes in and the store is a mess. And it's like something goes off on her and she immediately goes over and she starts rearranging the candy so that it can right. sell better. And she starts, she's like, oh, why are these drinks on the bottom shelf? If they were up here where you could see them, they would sell so much better. They would, these shelves are dusty. Let me clean these off. And the store workers are like, what is this lady doing? But she's like in her interview outfit. She's right. like a nice close. So they think she's kind of in a, a managerial position. Yeah. Like maybe she's you know? from head office or right. something like Ooh, that. Corporate. And then she even hears, like, customers in the store being, she had just rearranged the candy, and she hears customers saying, like, oh, I didn't know that they had these, but they were dusty when she got to them. So they had had them for a while, but they just weren't in the right position for customers to find them. So she she's like, oh, look, I rearranged this stuff, and, like, now this... Look, I'm useful. Yes. She says, she goes into the store, and the store's voice began streaming into me. So... And then she says, I could hear the store's voice streaming into me, telling me what it wanted, how it wanted to be. And I understood it perfectly. And the store workers are, are so impressed with her. So I find it so weird that this this woman cannot speak to people, but she the store, in a way, like speaks to her. Right. So, I had a little part here that said, I had to restructure my body so it would be able to move more swiftly and precisely to replenish the refrigerated drinks or clean the floor to more perfectly comply with the store's demands. It's at this point that Shahara, Shahara comes out, finds her in the store. He gets really, really mad at her. He drags her out of the store. So they're standing outside the store. He's, like, yelling at her. She realizes, you know what? This isn't what I want. She, I, I think that he just gets so mad that he leaves, and it's, like, known that he's done with right. her. Like, right. he's not he's not going to be with her anymore. So she pulls out her phone. She cancels her interview. She calls the interview. She cancels. And then she says the next thing she needs to do is she needs to find another convenience store to work at. And she once she decides she's going back to a convenience store, not necessarily the same one but mm-hmm. another convenience store she turns and she sees herself like reflected in the convenience store window and she says that she was reminded of seeing her newborn nephew for the first time through the hospital window uh, right and i thought that was very poignant yes it was very it was it was quite a comparison but then you realize that's what she wanted. That's what she wanted. So there is a part in the book where she says something that, like, she finds it offensive that everyone thinks that she has to do exactly what they do to be happy, which I'm with her and I'm guilty of. Right. There's people that I think, well, why doesn't, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Like, I don't understand why they, they and I quote it like, I don't know why they don't want better for themselves because in my mind, this is what's better. But that is very egocentric of me, I guess, to right. think that like they, they might not think that it's better. Like just because I think something's good doesn't mean that somebody else thinks it's good or how life should be. So it's kind of made me reflect back on myself that just because somebody's not on the same like life path as me right. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean that they're unhappy. You know, like they could be perfectly fine wherever they are in their life. And honestly, people could say that about me too. Like I've got friends that are doctors and lawyers and they could probably be like, oh, you know, she, she's just a mom. You know what I mean? Like, why doesn't she want better for herself? Like, doesn't she want something else with her life? Well, and you know, coming off of a corporate job recently and quitting that and walking away from it and walking away from a, a good amount of money to 
not having that, but being happier now than I was ever, ever happy there. You know, just because you have a job title and you say, oh, I work here and I work in this department, doesn't mean you're happy. And that's kind of like whenever you first meet someone. I mean, think about the first time that recently, if you've just just met someone, your first inclination. Oh, yesterday we went to pick up our kids from camp. Right. We were talking to that lady and I wanted to be like, oh, what do you do? I did not because I thought of this book because it it's almost like your job defines you. So right. if you're if you're someone who works at a grocery store, like, like oh you work at a restaurant and you're how old? Right. Like you know what I mean? So I didn't it's almost like your job defines who you are and devalue it it defines your value. Right. So I I was like I'm not going to ask her that. Well, you know, I was on a vacation recently. We were in Utah and if you ever been to Utah, Utah's, it's like another planet. It's insanely gorgeous. And so. Didn't it, they shoot Star Wars? Some of Star Wars there? Yes. Like to, yeah. because it was like, it, looked it, like another planet. It looked like another planet. And so we were talking to a waiter at a restaurant there outside of uh, Zion. And he actually, well, he noticed our debit card and he, and uh, he and had LSU on it. Had LSU on it. And so he said, oh, are you from, L- you know, are you from Louisiana? Oh my God. So am I. So he was from this area. Ah, small world. Small world. So long story short, he had a corporate job um, in IT, actually. And he said, you know, I was making six figures and thought I was happy. I came here, friend lived here, had a place here, and I came to stay with him for a week. And I haven't been back. Oh, my god! He gosh. quit his job as a waiter. And he said, I am so happy here. Yeah. You know, and I, I was actually watching a TikTok not too long ago where a, a guy, he was an attorney. And... He, he said, I, were, I was an attorney for 25 years, hated every second of it, quit my job. I work at Costco. I love it. Ugh. Yeah. So it's like, it's like we, as people put so much pressure on other people to, to always be better, faster, better, faster, stronger. Right. Daft Punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like have to, you have to do all these things or else like, I don't know, you're just being, it's like constant judgment. And I think. What I what I did really, really like from this book is that you see the constant judgment and whether this is cultural or not, I, I just really, I don't feel like this happens here. So I kind of feel like this must be a cultural thing is the, the emphasis on the job and like the life thing. I don't, I don't feel like that happens here. I feel like it's a little, it's probably frowned upon. It's definitely frowned upon here, but it's not as big of a deal Right. Here, as it is in Japan. Correct. Like, there it seemed to be, like, inexcusable. Like, what are you doing? You're bringing shame to your family because you're not married. You're in this job. Like, you need to do better for your family. You need to do better. So... I did like that the whole point of the book is that at the end, she's just like, you know what? Screw it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what makes me happy, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Like, you can get out of my life. This interview can go to hell. And I'm going to go find a store that needs me. And you know what's very ironic I thought was that she had all of these people, her family, her sister, you know, this freak of a boyfriend, quote unquote boyfriend, talking down to her the entire time. But she was the one that was strong. She was the one that thought outside of the box. She was the one that actually, I don't want to say made something of herself, but I consider her to be more of a hero and have more of a backbone than anyone else. Now... There's a couple of things that I didn't like that I've already mentioned. Um, 
the cultural differences made it a little bit hard to understand. Some of the translations just didn't quite read right. The way that it was written was so maybe formal or awkward that there was a couple parts where I had to like rewind it and listen to it again or like reread it just to kind of get what they were talking about. And I just found that it was just super repetitive, which now I feel repetitive because I've said that like 12 times now. Right. There was a lot of the same thing, especially with Shahira going on and on and on about the freaking Stone Age. He was just repulsive. He was, he, And he was meant to be like a character that you didn't like. And she did a great job of making him just the worst person you've ever met. Yeah, he was he's he's terrible. He's terrible. But did you did you like the book? What did you think? Yes, I liked the book. I'm not sure that it's for everyone. I like the general idea of it, though, because it goes through just for all the reasons that we just said that, you know, you can be yourself. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you're happy. Like, do what makes you happy. And I like that message a lot because I'm all for like, I don't want anyone to be unhappy because that's just that's just not a good place for anyone to be at. Yes, I do need you to take care of yourself. I'm not taking care of mid 30s person. As long as you're taking care of yourself, you're independent, then do whatever makes you happy. That's fine. Right. I liked the book a lot because it was dark. I thought it was a kind of a dark book. Like you said, you it's not a it's not a book that's meant to be funny. It's not No, and so many of the positive reviews were like, This book's hilarious. And I'm like, What? I didn't find it to be funny in a haha funny, more of a I don't even want to say cringy. Just more of a dark. Yeah. Like, I could definitely see this book as a dark, comedy-ish kind of book. Very dry. Very dry. Very dry. But I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, I actually found a couple of bad reviews that I thought were pretty funny. So Peggy Vincent, whoever she is, she says from Amazon, she gave it one star. And she said, just nope. Oh, Peggy, come on. (laughs) She said, reviews said quirky. I say, freaking weird and boring. No clear idea what was wrong with the woman. Social anxiety? Asperger's? Incredibly low self-esteem? But I kind of want to smack her and say, get a life. I want to read. I want to see what Peggy would read, what would consider a good read. Okay, we should ask her. Peggy Vincent. Okay, I'm going to look her up. If you could please email us at talkingshitterchair at gmail.com. Please tell us your book recommendation. I want to know what's on your bookshelf. There, I mean, there's clearly something wrong with her. They just don't ever get into what it is. And I think as far as, like, American readers, like, we want to know, like, what, what are you diagnosed with? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. help me understand you better. Right. I think that's that would have probably given you maybe a little bit more sympathy towards her. But they probably didn't want the sympathy towards her. They wanted to show you how everyone else saw her right there. So, I don't know. Okay, um, ADC gave this book one star, and it says, the most interesting thing about this book is nothing. They, it says reviewed in the United Kingdom. So this okay. English person. Yeah, I thought English people were so, so polite. I thought so too. Okay, well, it says, I read this book on holiday. I'm surprised I didn't throw it in the ocean when I finished it. Utterly dreadful. Is that an English accent? That's a pirate. <laughs> I keep going back to my my cat has a pirate accent, so I keep um right. I keep going back to like my cat's voice. We pulled up and the cat was in the boat the other day, and he was like, "Ah, I'm searching for tuna." <laughs> right. So, side note: our we have pets, and our pets have voices, and maybe we'll ex- we'll we will expand on that another another day. But right, 
we didn't so we're kind of like kiko and that we didn't understand that that was a weird thing until some people pointed out that it's a weird thing so i said they were weird for their pets not having voices because you live with your animals like they're they are a member of the family they look at you sometimes and they have things to say right and so i just I, have to be the voice i am their voice and so when i got married and i asked my husband you know like when your pets, when you were growing up, what voices did your pets have? Yes. What the, type of accents did your pets the have? The look that he gave me <laughs> was. The f- did I just marry into? Exactly. How can I And escape? you know what? And now he is Mr. Voice. Oh, he always gives the dog the voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we all do. And we'll do it in public and I, we kind of have to simmer down because I'm Why? sure people. <laughs> because if you're in Target and, you know, all of a sudden the dog, my dog's name is Meredith, you know, my son will say, Mama, are you stupid? <laughs> like, you know, we need to reel it in. <laughs> That's for at home. Okay. And the last, um, the well, I don't know. It's not really a review. But I did find this headline from the New Yorker that says, uh, Sayaka Maratar's eerie convenience store woman is a love story between a misfit and a store. So that's not really a um, bad review. But honestly, it kind of put like a whole new spin on the story for me because she was, like we said earlier, she was completely asexual. She was not interested in any kind of like relationship like romantic or sexual or anything but you do find that she just loves the store she isn't there something isn't that called something whenever somebody is like involved in a relationship with like an object yes but i think it's more of a sexual relationship well hers wasn't there was nothing about this book that was like sexual or anything no but i think she did have a love and i think it was smile mart she just she felt accepted there and it made her happy so you know end of the day I don't think it was Kiko, a love story. Kiko, you do you. Kiko, and you know what Kiko did? Yes. Kiko was like, you know what? I don't care about about society. I don't care about the norms. I don't care about culture. I am going to put on my Smile Mart uniform, and I'm going to I'm going to feel feel accepted in in any way that I can. This makes me happy. Right. All right. Tell me about your cup. So we decided that whenever we have an episode, we're going to get coffee cups, and we're. Well, I guess we don't have to get coffee cups per se, but we're going to get cups and they're going to kind of like represent the book in some way. So tell me what cup you have. So I have this cup here and we'll put it on um, our social, but it says, oh my God, thank you. And it is reminiscent of old school checkout bags, maybe. Yeah, the like shopping bags. Bag, shopping bags. You know, it's where like. Where it says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Um. <laughs> And it's actually the perfect size. I mean, it says thank you, and then it says you're the best. But I assume Liz is going to give this to me because obviously it was for me. Oh, you're the best. Right. And what were you drinking today? I had coffee. I think you made me a – was it just a coffee or was it a little bit of it espresso? It was an Americano. Oh, Americano. It was It was delish. <laughs> it was. Um, I kind of wanted to drink – okay, so my cup is like the tiniest little coffee cup that has a robot on it. It's actually really hard to find a, a mug with a robot on it for some reason. So it's actually a kid's coffee cup. It which, looks like a little espresso cup. It was presented as a child's. So yeah. maybe it's a child's hot chocolate cup because I don't know any kids I'm, that even drink. I'm not probably. giving a kid that cup because that is made out of glass. Glass. Yes. So it's got a robot and I just picked the robot just, you know, if you've heard the podcast so far, you know why I picked the robot. She was very robotic, very, robotic, very logical. And I really wanted to have, at 
first, I wanted to make us some drinks like from Japan, like some Japanese cocktails to put in our cups. I thought that would be really fun. Right. And go with the theme. I could always um, go for some sake. Uh, see, I don't like sake. So I really wanted to do that. And then I was like, you know what? I love screwball. So I'm going to have some <laughs> kind of screwball drink because I'm going to be like, well, screw it like Kiko and Whoa. be like, you know what? I'm going to do me. <laughs> I don't necessarily like sake. So I'm not going to force myself to drink it. I'm going to drink screwball. But then we decided that we wanted to record at 11 o'clock in the morning. So I just went with tea. And you have to function for the rest of the day. <sighs> but it's not to say that after this is over, we might have a little celebratory screwball shot. Oh, most definitely. Right. But then I do have to take my kid to the store because she wants a brush. Right. We need to go. Very pressing issue. We've got to have a brush, Mom. We have stuff to do after this, too. So (laughs) maybe we'll just do little sips. Okay. So you picked out my book this week. um, And I picked out your book. And yesterday, I could not figure out what I had picked out for you. Did we figure it out? It's the corrections. Okay. Do you know who wrote it? Jonathan Franzen. Okay. Uh, Yes. So we are going to... And we're, we're going to record in probably about two weeks, and we're going to be talking about the corrections. If you want to read it, then you can kind of, like, discuss with us. Well, and, okay, so you downloaded it, right? Yes. Okay. And you, this chick was so nice to send me a copy of this. I did. I mailed her a hard copy. Right. So not, I, but it's, it's paperback. I'll, but I'll deal. I'm sorry. I honestly had no idea about the hardback paperback thing, but also hardbacks are like, what, $25 more expensive? And like, no. So you deal with that. Um, Get your book read. I'm going to download the Audible book. I've already downloaded the book for free off of my Libby app, which if y'all don't have Libby, download Libby. It's a library app. You can get like free eBooks, like instant access. It's the best. Sometimes you do have to get put on the waiting list for them. I'm all about saving those dollars. I know you are. So y'all can email us at talkinshitterature at gmail.com. There's no G. It's talkinshitterature at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. You can always rate, review, and subscribe at the bottom of the podcast. We are really excited to get some feedback. Even if it's bad, just tell us, just tell us what's up. We want to know. Tell us how we, can, how we can do better, what we can do different next time. We're on Twitter at talkinshitterature. We're on Instagram at talkinshitterature and Facebook guess what it is books we love (laughs) (laughs) no it's talking literature you blow me away (laughs) no i know so um creative also email us your book suggestions because we we want to know i think we kind of want to stay away from maybe like the super popular books right that everybody's like if it's like an it book right now we kind of want to go the other way with it right I feel like, you know, they're probably going to get talked to death. So we kind of want to talk about other other books that maybe won't get as much. So if you've got like an obscure book that you love, please, please, please send right. it to us. And one of us will try to get on it. For sure. We love anything dark. Funny. Funny. Dark humor. What are some of, of your favorite books? Okay. So I love Me Talk Pretty One Day. Oh my gosh. David Sedaris? Yes. And I love David Sedaris just in general. Okay. Like just FYI, if you download any of his audible books, he reads them himself. And he is. And it, it makes them so much better. Right. You've read them? I mean, you've listened? I've listened to him. I've listened to some of his talks that he's had some, uh, and he's just, he's just so good. Don't you want to just go hang out with him? I do. Doesn't and he seem just like your people? He does. And Calypso, I think, was one that he had. Is recently. that the with the wood? Right. Yes. Um, it was kind of like a memoir, and it was great. Oh my god, it was it was so good. He's, I loved it. He's really good, and I and I do like uh, Chuck Patchelik. I 
I've always Fight Club guy. Fight Club, right. He's always he's kind of been my author. Wally Lamb. That was the one with the twins. What was it? Was it the twins? Um he had uh She's Come Undone. She's Come Undone. Oh, that was the with the clouds yes. and the face. Yes. Okay. okay. And he, I thought there was one that had there like was. babies' hands on the cover. There was. Um, I like to judge the books by their cover. So I remember their covers. Right. <laughs> and he did a book of I'm gonna have to go back and make sure this is correct, but he did a book. It was essays of women that maybe were written in prison. Oh, that's cool. And I think a lot of it, too, has to – my authors have been people that I've read when I was kind of at that age where late teens, early 20s. So that was kind of like a time in my life where I was really – Kind of like in that self-discovery Right. Zone. And so they stuck. Yes. I'm with you, 1,000%. Um, right. I remember, I think I read White Oleander around that oh, time. Yes. Of, and I can't tell you what White Oleander is about. Oh, my God. Um, cried my eyes out at the end. I remember it being kind of disturbing. Also, my son had to read Maniac McGee for really? school. Okay. And I completely forgot about that book. Couldn't I, I can't really tell you what it's about. I remember there was, like, lots of running and, like, knot tying and stuff. But I remember, like, Maniac McGee makes me so nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was the first book that I ever read that wasn't – it had some substance. It talked about things that were hard. It talked about rich and poor and mm-hmm. racial differences and bullying. It talked about all these things that from before in my life, before Maniac McGee, it had always been like, oh, everybody be nice to everybody. I'm right. a talking hippo and I'm a cute little singing drift. Yeah. And that was the first book that I read that was like real. And kind of let you know, like, the world is not a pretty place and this is what happens and or whatever. So that was actually on his – he had several to choose from. But I was like, look, you should really read this book. And he came in my office the other day when I was working and he was like, hey, I'm all, like, I'm on chapter whatever of Maniac McGee. And he was like, it's it's so strange because it's it's talking about stuff that I've never heard, heard before. Oh, and I thought good. it was so cool that he was kind of having the same experience that I had had right. with the book. Well, so. one of my sons required, you know, they sent home a required reading list where you have to pick one book. And I'm okay with that. You know, like uh, one book a summer. I mean, my God, really? Like, I mean, I make my kids read. I'm like, go in the room and read for 20 minutes. And and Diary, you know, Anne Frank was on that list. And I said, you're going to read that because, and he was like, well, it's a you always, You have always been obsessed with Anne Frank and Holocaust and World like II. Schindler's List type things. Right. The, I think the injustice of it has, oh, you know it what it is? stayed with me my I entire life. I think that you kind of almost resemble Anne Frank. Like she looks like you. Oh. So you were able to identify to identify with her you were about the age that whenever you really started like loving it you were about the age of Anne Frank Mm -hmm. you know there's several different copies of it but you see pictures of Anne Frank and she's got dark hair and Mm -hmm. dark eyes and she's very relatable to you I think that do you think that's maybe what sparked your interest I don't know I think maybe because we were you know she was 12 to 14 I believe and And you're like how could they be going through this and it was just the worst fathomable that some that Knowing what happened mm-hmm. happens, and um, also the first copy I had of that book I rented from rented, I checked it out from the library, <laughs> and it was the book, but it was also a very thick version of it with pictures and uh, like photographs or illustrations. Pho- no photographs, like concentration Ooh. camp um, maps, and well, if that doesn't stick with you, I don't really. Know what will like detailed uh, information about that time. So I've always, it's always kind of been with me. And I've, I mean. Did you go to the Holocaust Museum in D.C.? I did. Wasn't that just like the worst? (sighs) Did anyone leave with a dry eye? No. 
Did you get – I went whenever now, I was, like, in middle school. Did they give you, like, a, a book – and you are that person. And you are that person. They, so whenever yes. you go to the, I don't know if y'all, I'm sure most of y'all have been to the Holocaust Museum, but whenever you enter, they give you a book and it's like you turn to this page whenever you get to this part and you kind right. of like, you pretend that you are that person and you find out what happens to them. And at the end, I think my, I think I died. I died and it was. Like I didn't make it through the Holocaust. Oh and it's gosh. just like the way it's, the way that it's done, it's just so well done that it's, you can't help but feel empathy oh it's not just like oh that sucks that that happened now you're in it you are there it's completely immersive very 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 and it's it's good right I mean we need to know what happened and so I told my son you're gonna read this because I honestly think that I think a book like that should be required reading yeah I mean mean, you need to know what happened you need to know he knows I mean he's 12 years old he knows about World War II and and all of that, and the abridged child's version of it. Yeah. So I said, I would like for you to read that book. It's not very long. It's There's nothing in it that is gory. Yeah. But I I am okay with him, him reading that. My 10-year-old, absolutely not. I would probably let my kids, uh, I would probably let her read it at 10. I would let Blitz, my son's name is Blitz. I would let him read it at 10. I think, well... My Elliot. son, yeah, yes. Yeah. My daughter, I don't know. Your daughter's a lot more sensitive. She was. She Although was. my son's very sensitive and my daughter is not. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so tell us. That was a long little tangent. Everybody write to us. Tell us your favorite books, your book suggestions. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on the socials. Most of it's Talking Shit Literature, wherever you're Talking Shit Literature at Gmail, Talking Shit Literature, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, just hit us up and let us know what you're thinking. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with the corrections. All right. I'm excited. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.